Welcome to the Tell Your Story podcast. Your story has the power to bring healing, inspiration, and joy. So what are you waiting for? Tell your story. Welcome back, tellers. This episode is going to be a little bit different because it'll just be me. Uh, This podcast is called Tell Your Story. And I've never really taken the time to tell my story. (laughs) So I'm going to do that now. Not the full thing, but just this aspect of how I became a single mother. And there may be some of you who are like, oh, I'm tired of hearing about how you're a single mom. I understand. I'm tired of living it, to be honest. (laughs) But I think it is necessary for some people to hear about this because it's still uh, Women's History Month. And there are a lot of women out there who are single mothers, more so than men. There are single um, fathers out there too, but there's a lot of us women who are taking on that responsibility by ourselves. So I'm just going to talk to you about how I got here. Um, I got saved officially, like when I was 19. Before that, I had grown up in church and I was raised in church. And I bet a lot of my family was like, what? You were saved when you was like eight. Not really, because I didn't know what it was about. I was baptized when I was young, but I I wasn't really, I didn't really know Jesus. You know what I mean? I'd heard of him, but I didn't really understand it. So I really got the gospel message when I went to college when I was 19 and I was like all about it. But the second thing that I was all about, like right after that was guys. And I wanted to be married so bad. I had this vision in my head <laughs> that I just wanted um, a husband and kids and all of that. But as it turned out, the guys that I liked for some reason did not like me and uh, go figure. And, uh, it just wasn't happening for me, even in, in the church that I was in and my little campus ministry and all that, like the, you know, it just, it just wasn't working. And so I saw a guy who I was close to, we, we made each other laugh a lot. We really were like, uh, brother and sister. I used to call him my little brother, but we were not related. Let me state that. Um, and I met him and I was like, he probably would like me. And so I just pursued that a relationship with him because I wanted to get married so bad, so badly. And, um, and so we did, we, we dated for two years. It was not good. It was kind of like, there was a lot of arguing. There was a lot of issues. There was a lot of impurity, Um, but finally we got married and, um, and like two months into the marriage, I got pregnant (laughs) cause I had never, you know, had to worry about using birth control or anything like that. So I was just like, woo, here we are. We were having a baby already. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, a year and a half later we had another kid and a year and a half later, another kid, but that marriage, like we were not supposed to be together that it wasn't a relationship that God put together. You know how there's that scripture that says what the Lord puts together, let no man separate. God didn't put us together. We went and did that ourselves and it was just not good. Um, and I'm, and I'm going to tell you, I was a horrible wife and I couldn't see that at the time. Not until after everything happened, did I realize how terrible I was, but I was a really bad wife and he ended up, um, you know, having an affair and not trying to put him under the bus or tell his business, but he did. That's what happened. And we got divorced. But after I got over being the victim and 
crying all the woe is me, God really showed me my own heart and my own attitude and how I was just terrible. I was a terrible wife. I was rude. I was mean. I was uh, closed off. I was disrespectful. I, w- I mean, I had all kinds of um, character issues, heart issues, personality issues that I had not dealt with. Um, and he had to deal with all of it. And so I just want to take this time <laughs> right now um, at how old am I now at 40 years old <laughs> and just apologize to my ex-husband. Um, I'm not trying to get back together, <laughs> but I really do need to say, I am sorry. Like I was a bad wife and he made his own decisions and what he did, but I can't act like I was innocent in the whole thing, you know? Um, but after we got divorced, you know, I had moved out to Louisiana and was living with my grandparents and, and then I tried to get my own, my own place in the, in kind of a, a little town. Cause they live like in the middle of nowhere and I wanted my own place in the town and I couldn't afford my own place in the town. I was going to have to go move back in with my grandparents. And I did not want to do that because I wanted to be in the city where I had access to public transportation and libraries and just, you know, everything that I could need to get back on my feet. Cause I really had, I really had nothing. We didn't really own a home or we didn't own a car. We didn't have any of that stuff when we were married. So I literally had nothing, just our clothes. Um, and so I made the choice <laughs> during that time with three little kids. By the time, um, by the time we got divorced, my kids were two, two, four and five years old, I think. And, um, so I made the choice to live at the Salvation Army with my kids. And there are a lot of people, uh, in my family who are not happy about that because it's like, Hey, you could come to California and live with us, or Hey, you could live with your grandparents in the, in the country. But I really didn't want to move the kids again to another state. Uh, and I did not want to go back to live like in the middle of nowhere. Cause like I said, I wanted access to different things. So we lived at the Salvation Army for like five months because I wanted to get on my feet. I thought about, you know, moving back to California, but I knew how expensive it was. I knew like it was just, I felt like it would be too hard for me to raise the kids on my own out there. And I thought about living back with my grandparents, but I knew living there, I wouldn't have a vehicle to get around. I wouldn't be able to work if I lived all the way out there. And I didn't want my kids to see me just sitting on the couch, watching TV all day, just eating up a bunch of food from food stamps and wasting away to nothing. That's just what I felt like my life was going to be if I lived there. And I love my grandparents. It's not them. It's just... It was just the area that they lived in. I felt like I couldn't do anything if I lived there. I knew that I would just kind of fall into isolation and depression if I stayed there. And on top of that, uh, my mom had already passed by this time and her remains were in an urn there at my grandparents' house. And I felt like I just, I can't do that. (laughs) I can't, 
uh, see that every single day. Like it was just hard to get over that. So we lived at the Salvation Army and we would get on a bus and the bus drivers were really nice because my kids are so little that they would not charge me for them. <laughs> and we would library hop. We'd go to different libraries and I'd have them sit underneath the table where while I apply for jobs. And we'd get kicked out of that library because the kids started to get loud and they started to cry or, you know, play with each other. So we'd leave there and get on the bus and go to a different library and try it all over again. And, <laughs> and I applied for every possible assistance that I could apply for. We were on welfare and food stamps and all the things. And even one kid was on SSI, like, and we applied for everything that I possibly could, uh, to, to get help. And, um, I did because I wanted to, I wanted to work. I was constantly looking for jobs. I had a degree already, but I wanted to make sure that I was going to make it on my own with out the assistance. So I had to get the assistance in order to get off of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it's funny because once I finally got a job, I started working for the Department of Children and Family Services and in one uh, town and ended up transferring um, out to Shreveport. And when I transferred, the woman who had been my, my caseworker um, for cash assistance was now my coworker. Like we were literally in the same unit. We had the same supervisor. And I'm just like, look at, look at God. Like, <laughs> how did that even happen? But it, it really was me coming full circle. But I, I appreciate having that time where we were homeless because, man, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the city. I learned a lot about the people. And um, I was able to find my church home when I was there. Somebody who lived there took me to Word of Life, which is now Life United, and in Shreveport, and I started going to church there and never looked back. Um, and that is really that moment I know was pivotal for me because that's where my life blood is. <laughs> that like that just being in church and being connected to a church is what has helped me so much. And I know that we are the church, like it's not a building. Um, but when you have those people that get together and you fellowship with one another and you do life with one another, uh, you serve together, you go through all these things. When life is hard, you can, you can help each other you know, and you're not isolated. Like that was the hardest thing for me. If I wasn't going to a church guys, and I was just trying to live and do evangelism and just do life and go and be Jesus out on my own, I, I would be drowning with these three kids. Like I just would, but getting plugged into that place helped me so much. And I, I just became all in and that. Cause I really, when I first got divorced, thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to uh, make it as a single mom. I, I was like, how can I take care of these kids by myself? Um, so I just decided that once I got to that church, I'm going to be here every time the doors are open. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. I decided to make God a priority for me, for the kids, for our family, period. 
and that having the kids was never going to be an excuse. Um, the Bible says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And so that, that was just my MO and it, and it still is like, I'm just going to draw near to God. I'm just going to run to the father because I, I was so messed up and so broken and my life was so, so vastly different than what I thought it was going to be that I, I felt like that God is all I have. I can't, I really can't rely on anyone or anything else. Um, so it came my commitment to the Lord in that way came out of a place of desperation, you know, losing my mom, losing my husband, you know what I'm saying? Losing my marriage or this ideal of what I thought life would be like losing all of that and just being at rock bottom. It was like, okay, so I really like really can't rely on anything or anyone else. Like that's just the mindset I had. And it caused me to go into this flight mode where I just ran to Jesus and that was it. And so, and it's been like that since then of whenever there's an issue, I'm running to the Lord. (laughs) Even when I stand and mess up, I'm running to the Lord. Like, I'm sorry, God, please help me. Because it's like, there's nothing out there in the world. I know that for sure. There is nothing out there. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that, that's how I made it. That's how I made it. It's just by putting God first and in every single way. So it's like they need somebody to serve. I'm serving and I'm I'm checking with them like, hey, can I bring my kids? Because back then they were so little. It's like, can I bring the kids with me? <laughs> um, it, there's camp. Yes, the kids will go to camp. I can't afford it, but we're going to work something out. We got to do a fundraiser or, oh, great. They have sponsors. Awesome. Somebody can sponsor the kids. Like I just wanted to be a part of every single thing and be faithful to the things of God. That really was the only thing I could do. I felt like I couldn't really control anything else in my life. Like everything was just like up in the air, but I could control what I did for the Lord. Like I'm just pouring everything into this. Um, and it has paid off so much for me and my family. Uh, being at all the different things, going to every group. I've learned a lot. I remember we had some type of, uh, oh, one of our Wednesday night services was a prayer walk. We did like a prayer walk in different parts of the church. And so when we got to this one part, we were supposed to pray for one another. And one of these ladies, she doesn't even remember this, (laughs) but, uh, one of the ladies, she, um, she asked me what, uh, she could pray for me about. And I told her like, yeah, I'm raising three kids um, by myself, you know? And she said, well, I always hold on to Genesis chapter 50, verse 21. Um, that one has really helped me, you know? And it says that the Lord will fight for you. I will fight for you when you're sorry, I'm messing it up. I will provide for you and your little ones. And so I went home and I read that scripture and that's what it's talking about. In context, it's Joseph's brothers, you know, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. And then years later, he's like second in command to Pharaoh and they come begging for food and stuff and they realize it's him. And then their dad dies and they're afraid that he's going to beat them or put them in prison or mistreat them now that their dad is gone. And Joseph is like, no, 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 no don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he encouraged them and spoke kindly to them. 
But I took that scripture for myself and I was like, look, I don't have to be afraid because the Lord is going to provide for me and my little ones. God loves me and he loves these kids more than I do. So he's going to provide for us. So I don't have to be afraid either. And so I took that scripture on y'all. I would, I would pray that over different situations that happen. Like, see, that became a life scripture for me. And I got that from somebody at church. So just like being there and participating in everything, I just, I got free (laughs) and I got tools of how to fight and how to take care of my kids. And, and I prayed that scripture when I went and needed a new car and I got me a new car, (laughs) a brand new car. I was driving around some, uh, big old hunking car that costs a hundred dollars to fill up and, and, had over 300,000 miles on it. I was grateful for it, but it was a lot. And I'd have to pull over and put water in it and all the stuff. I got a brand new car, just believing and praying that scripture. And the Lord helped me to keep that and, you know, pay the note and all of the stuff on it until I was able to get a different car. So, I mean, I just got tools and things to hold on to throughout this journey of raising the kids. Um, even with them, when I would see things come up in their character, then it's like, well, I need to put the word on this. I'm not going to keep speaking what they're doing. I'm going to speak the word over them. And so I gave them each a scripture to, uh, for, to deal with the behavior that I was seeing in them. It's like, I learned how to fight. I learned how to go in the offensive. I learned how to live in victory as I go through this life that God didn't plan this. God didn't plan for uh, women to raise kids alone. That's not God's plan. That's not his best. Okay. That's not his best, but this is where I'm at. So he's gracing me to do it and he's given me tools to fight. So that's how I've been able to do this. And now my kids are, uh, they are 12. Nope. 11, 12, and 14. (laughs) And they are thriving, you know, and there are issues that come up. There's life that come up, comes up every single day. You know, that's just, we live in a cursed earth and, and things happen, but I know how to fight and we know where our help comes from, that it comes from the Lord. And we have a great support system and I have a good village. I know there are people that I can call on that I can ask, hey, can you pick up one of the kids from practice? Or can you drop off one of the kids? Because they're all very active and I can't be everywhere at one time. But I don't panic. I just go to the Lord and say, Father, show me how to do this. And he does. He does it every single time. And we have people around us who love us. My family and our church family. And that is how I've been able to do this life as a single mom. I shouldn't I shouldn't be a single mother. I shouldn't. But I'm I'm the one who ran off and and married somebody that I shouldn't have married and then got divorced. You know what I'm saying? And their dad loves them. He just lives in another state. He lives far away, so he doesn't get to see him that often, but this is where I am. This is where we are. And the Lord helps us every single day. So I just want to say to you, if you are a single mother uh, or father, a single parent out there, 
that you can thrive and your kids can do well. You can beat the statistics if you would prioritize the right thing. Prioritize the Lord. My kids are active. They, they, um, some of them like sports, some of them like art, some of them like acting. It's different stuff. They're, they're all into things, but God comes first and they know that. They know that. The house of the Lord comes first and they know that. And that has just helped us to be able to thrive. So I'm just, I'm grateful to him. I'm grateful to the people who are in our lives. And um, yeah, that's our journey. And there's so much more story to be written. (laughs) There's so much more. uh, I know that the Lord has in store for me and for them. But it really comes down to putting him first. And he'll take care of all the rest. Matthew 6.33 is real. When you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, he will add everything else to you that you need. No doubt about it. Thanks so much for listening to my story. Just a part of it. Until next time. Bye.